Episode 28, How to See Your Spouse with New Eyes. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome back to the podcast. We just finished Chinese New Year here. This is a two-week holiday and one of the biggest celebrations in China. One of the things that I love most about living abroad is celebrating the local holidays wherever we live. It seems like this is often when culture is at its peak wherever we're living, and it's so fun to see a country in their traditional dress or with their traditional music or with their traditional ways of celebrating their own culture. This is our sixth year in Asia, and I have really come to love Chinese New Year because it is at that time of the winter when it's the most bleak. It's after Christmas and New Year, but it still feels like spring is a ways away. And then Chinese New Year arrives, and it's with all these vibrant colors and delicious food and wonderful music. This year, because of COVID, there were a lot of regular Chinese New Year events that were canceled. So we decided that we would create some Chinese New Year celebrations at home. So we ordered Tang Dynasty dresses for our girls, and we also ordered a full-size Chinese dragon puppet. So if you've ever seen them, a Chinese dragon that they do a traditional dance with is made of fabric, and it's long enough for like five or more people to carry a part of it, and then you move it around and chase a ball of wisdom. And my little five-year-old was so excited because she got to carry the ball and be the one in front. You can actually check out pictures of it on my Instagram page at the expat mom coach. And I would love to see pictures of your family enjoying the holidays around the world. So share some of those pictures and experiences. So for those of you who are regular listeners, you know that this month we are focusing on marriage. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. So far this month, we've covered why you can't make your spouse happy, and we've talked about how to improve intimacy in your marriage. There are actually so many awesome topics and tools to share. It is really hard to decide which ones to do first, but today I'm excited to share one of my very favorite relationship tools, which is how to see your spouse differently. Recently, my dad had some eye surgery for some cataracts. I had heard of cataracts, but it was interesting to research exactly what they are. Cataracts are eye tissue that has broken down and clumped together. Because cataracts are positioned right in the lens of the eye, they scatter light and make the images less sharp. In order to correct a vision, a doctor goes in and removes the cataract and reshapes the lens. They do the procedure one eye at a time, just to be sure that both eyes are not at risk if something goes wrong. After the procedure, my dad noticed that not only was his vision less blurry with the eye that was corrected, but interestingly, everything was whiter. For years, he had been seeing things with a yellow filter, but he had no idea. It just seemed like the way things were. Once he had the cataract removed, he could see that things were brighter and more vibrant than he had realized. I think this is such a beautiful analogy to marriage. Like the filter created by the cataract that changed the color of my dad's vision, 
we often see our spouse through a filter. In fact, we see them through a number of different filters. These filters affect what we see in and about our spouse. It also affects how we feel and think about them. And of course, that affects how we act towards our spouse. The problem is that often these filters offer us a distorted vision of our spouse. We think the way we see them is just the way they are, but often it's a distorted vision of who they are. When we see our spouse through this distorted filter, we often feel irritated, impatient, frustrated, or hurt. And when we feel those emotions, we often snap at our spouse or avoid them or treat them poorly. Today, I want to help identify one of the most important filters we unknowingly create that distorts how we see our spouse. And I'd like to share how we can remove it so that we can see our spouse as they really are and build more connection and love with them. Before I explain about this filter, I want to let you know about a free resource that I have. I know in this community, we are all busy. So I decided to create something that would give moms a boost and wouldn't require very much time. Each week, I carefully craft a short tip or perspective that is designed to be read in about one minute. I often share personal stories or anonymous stories of clients to demonstrate small mindset shifts that can make a big difference in your life. I call it one minute wisdom. Let me tell you about an experience one reader shared with me. She was having a difficult time getting her daughter to talk much about her day at school. When she asked her daughter how her day was, her daughter just said, good. And the more she asked her daughter questions, the more the daughter seemed to clam up or want to leave the conversation. This woman read one of the one minute wisdom emails about how kids sometimes feel anxiety when we ask them questions in absolutes, like, what is your favorite? What is the best? What is the worst? The email suggested using more open words and being more specific in your questions, such as, what was something you learned in math today? Or what was something you did during recess? Rather than using words like, what was your favorite thing you did today? Or what was the best thing you did at recess? This mom started using this strategy and found her daughter started sharing a lot more. And as a result, this mama and daughter felt a lot closer. You can sign up for one minute wisdom in the show notes. It's totally free. Each week you'll receive a short tip or tool right to your inbox that is designed to be read in about a minute. Is your emotional health and your relationships worth a minute of your time every week? Let's jump into our topic of seeing your spouse differently. I explained that most of us do not see our spouses as they really are. We see them through a filter and the filter often distorts the way we see our spouse. Just as my dad's cataract created a filter that blurred his vision and distorted the way he saw colors without him even realizing it, our brains also create these filters without us being aware. It simply feels like the way things are. These filters are caused by a variety of things, including expectations of how a spouse should be, as well as our mood, and there are many other things that cause filters. However, today I want to speak about one specific filter that I believe is the most distorting type of filter in the way that we see our spouse. And removing this filter has the potential to improve our relationships more than almost any other filter. The filter I'm referring to is caused by self-betrayal. Let me give you an example to explain what I mean by self-betrayal and how it might distort the way we see our spouse. I learned about this filter and this concept from an excellent book called The Bonds That Make Us Free by C. Terry Warner. Warner tells the story of a businessman and his wife laying in bed. Here's the businessman's first-hand account. 
The other night at 2 a.m., I woke to hear the baby crying. At that moment, I had a fleeting feeling, a feeling that if I got up quickly, I might be able to see what was wrong before Carolyn, my wife, would be awakened. It was a feeling that this was something I really ought to do. But I didn't get up and check on the baby. Unquote. Now, this might not seem like any grievous problem at first glance. It's just a person who had a thought and didn't act on it. But by ignoring this little urge to help his wife, this businessman betrayed himself. Each of us has a core set of values that we want to live by. Maybe we want to be kind or generous or unselfish. When we don't act in alignment with these values, we betray ourselves. This is more of a problem than we may think at first. There is a fallout of betraying ourselves, even in small betrayals like this example. As humans, we don't like to have incongruence between who we want to be and who we are. So we're faced with two alternatives. First, we can change what we think we should do. Second, we can change what we do. This businessman just couldn't get back to sleep. He was in cognitive dissonance. In order to feel peace, he would have had to get up or justify why he shouldn't have to get up. Here is how he describes what happened next. It bugged me that Carolyn wasn't waking up. I just kept thinking it was her job to take care of the baby. She has her work and I have mine, and mine is hard. It starts early in the morning. She can sleep in. On top of that, I never know how to handle the baby anyway. I wondered if Carolyn was lying there waiting for me to get up. Why did I have to feel so guilty that I couldn't sleep? The only thing I wanted was to get to work fresh enough to do a good job. What was so selfish about that? Unquote. And his self-talk didn't stop there. As soon as he decided not to get up, he began thinking of evidence about why staying in bed wasn't his fault. He began thinking about his presentation the next day and how important it was for him to be fresh. He began assuming that maybe Carolyn was just pretending to sleep and she was being deceitful. He began wondering if Carolyn had thoughtlessly forgotten to change the baby before putting her to bed, which was why the baby was waking up now. In other words, he thought this was her fault in the first place. It all started with a small thought that he should get up, prompted by his personal core value of kindness and helpfulness. When he dismissed it, his brain immediately went to work compiling data that seemed comprehensive enough to be used in a courtroom in order to justify himself. In other words, the story of justification he created allowed him to let himself off the hook for doing what he believed he actually should do. And in the process of letting himself off the hook, he now had created a distorted view of his wife. He now thought of her as lazy, deceptive, selfish, and thoughtless. We can only imagine what the impatient and irritated exchange might have looked like of this dad waking up his wife to care for the baby, or how he might have snapped at his wife in the morning when he was tired and running late. Because he saw his wife as lazy and thoughtless, and he blamed her for his problems. But ironically, as you can see from this example, there wasn't actually any real evidence this created story was true. Before he had the thought that he should get up and help his wife, he was thinking of his wife as a loving mother who sacrificed for their family. He felt compassion for her or how tired she was. That was exactly why he felt the urge to get up in the first place. But when he betrayed his own core value of kindness, he unknowingly created a distorted filter through which he saw his wife. Warner shares an interesting quote by Blase Pascal from the 17th century, who wrote, It is no doubt an evil to be full of faults, but it is a still greater evil to be full of them 
and unwilling to recognize them, since this entails the future evil of self-delusion. The truth is that when we betray ourselves, we lose the ability to see ourselves or others as they really are, because we begin looking through a distorted lens. We don't realize it, but we don't actually see our spouse as they are. We see our spouse as we are. So if we aren't living in integrity to who we want to be, we end up projecting our faults onto our spouse. Self-betrayals are simple, everyday events. A self-betrayal might look like a feeling or an urge to do the dishes and then not doing it. It could look like agreeing to take the dry cleaning somewhere for your spouse or agreeing to go to dinner somewhere, but then making it clear to your spouse that you really don't want to and letting them know that they have put you out. It might look like pretending everything's fine when it isn't, just so you don't have to deal with the drama of dealing with the issue with your spouse. These seemingly small little violations of our integrity cause us to justify ourselves, often without realizing it, and soon we see our spouse in a distorted way. If you've ever looked in some of those funny mirrors at an amusement park, the ones that make you really long and stretched out or really wide, then you can imagine what I mean. Your body hasn't changed at all, but the way you see your body looks distorted. The same thing happens when we betray ourselves. It distorts our vision of ourself and of our spouse. When we're in this space of self-deception, it feels very real and very true. Just like we can actually see our distorted image in the crazy mirror, or just like my dad's cataract literally created a more yellowish hue. He did in fact see that color, but just because he saw that didn't mean that was actually the color it was. Our self-deception creates a very real filter on how we see our spouse. When we have this filter, all the communication skills or kind actions in the world will be ineffective if we continue to see our spouse as a villain. To create real and lasting change in marriage, we must remove the filter. So before we address what does work to remove the filter, let me quickly cover what doesn't work to remove it. First, trying to change the other person. We sometimes mistakenly believe that if we can get the other person to change, we will stop feeling and acting the way that we are. The businessman thought that if his wife would get up and be more responsive to the baby, he wouldn't have to feel guilty. But the truth is that trying to change others from a place of distortion usually leads to conflict, not change. When people feel blamed, especially unfairly, they resist changing. And even if they do change, they often feel resentful and we feel a bit guilty both of which create more distorting filters. Imagine the businessman trying to get his wife to be more responsive at getting up. She's not likely to be very receptive to his request if he approaches it from a place of blame. Even if she does wake up, it will reinforce his distorted perception of himself as justified in not helping out. Second, coping skills and communication skills will not get us out of our distorted filters. Many amazing books and practitioners teach communication skills and other tools for relationships. No matter how effective these tools are, if there is blame and distortion driving them, the tools are not likely to be effective, at least in the long term. And in fact, these tools simply serve to create a more sophisticated way to blame. Even if the businessman uses I feel statements and empathetic listening, his wife will be able to feel how he blames her and how he sees her as the problem. Third, leaving. 
We may think that ignoring the situation or leaving the situation will help, but the truth is that we take our brains and our values with us. If we leave or we ignore it, we'll continue to see ourselves and our spouse in a distorted way if we don't address it. And fourth, it won't work to make white knuckled change with ourselves. We may assume that the best way to get out of this distortion is to change what we do. For example, we might think the businessman should just get up and help the baby. While this might have helped prevent the distortion in the first place, once we have the distortion, things are a bit more complicated. If he gets up to help the baby, believing that he's justified in not getting up and that his wife is lazy and deceptive, he's likely to continue blaming her and feeling resentful, and he might even act like a martyr. As you can see, once we see things through a distorted lens, we can feel a bit stuck. At this point, removing our distorted filters is not just a matter of what we need to do. It's a matter of how we need to think. I want to share with you a three-step process to changing the way you see your spouse and learning to see them with new eyes. Number one, recognize that you have a filter and that it affects how you see your spouse. Recognize that your filter changes the way you feel towards your spouse and act toward them. When my dad first saw how much wider the colors were with the eye that had been operated on, he was surprised. He hadn't even realized that there was a filter over the way that he saw color. That is often the way it is when we see our spouses. We just assume that the way we see them is the way they really are. Simply recognizing that as humans, we create distorted views of others without even realizing it is important. It can help us be more aware. I love to ask myself the question, is it possible that I could be wrong about this? One of my clients was expressing irritation about how their spouse wanted to buy something that they disagreed with. The client explained that their spouse was selfish and stubborn. However, when I asked the client, if your spouse was here, what would they say is the reason that they want to buy it? My client thought for a moment. She said, well, they would probably say to create memories with the kids and to make things fun. So which reason is true? I asked. We often assume that we know how other people feel or what they are thinking, but so often we don't really know. We assume that the way that we perceive things is accurate. Recognizing that we may have a filter that distorts our view can be helpful in awareness. Imagine how the businessman might have reacted differently if he had caught himself in the middle of his story creation and noticed the filter that he was creating. Number two, see your spouse as a person with all their needs and feelings and desires rather than just thinking about them as an object. In the book, Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute, they give an example of a person who boarded an airplane. The flight attendant had announced that there would be very few open seats. The person sat down and found the seat next to them was open. They placed their bag on the open seat, hoping no one would sit down. When they noticed other passengers walking by and eyeing the seat, they stretched their arms out wider with their newspaper. Eventually, someone came by and inquired if they could sit there. The person agreed, but sighed and slowly moved their things, communicating their disappointment to the other passenger. In contrast, the book shares the example of a couple who checks in for a flight and discovers there are no open seats next to each other. A woman who was seated in the waiting area nearby heard the problem. She promptly stood up and interrupted. She said, excuse me, I heard you can't find two seats together. I'm traveling alone and the seat next to mine is open. I'd be happy to switch with you. 
In both cases, there were airplanes with limited seats and people looking for seats. In both cases, people ended up giving seats to other passengers. So what's the difference here? In one scenario, the person saw others on the plane as less important than themselves. They were thinking about what they wanted, what they needed. Others' requests felt a bit like a nuisance. In the other scenario, they saw others not as a nuisance, but as people that had needs and wants that were equally as important as their own. The simple shift of thinking about others and their needs and wants as equally important and valid as our own allows us to see others differently. I love the story I heard once in a budgeting seminar where the husband explained all the ways they could cut back on grocery expenditures. The wife acknowledged what the husband said was true. Then she described how stressful it was to shop with young kids and how it felt overwhelming to compare prices while trying to keep young children content during shopping. As the husband listened, he said, I can see that. I want that for you too. Let's set the budget high enough that you can buy what we need without having to stress out about price comparing. That was a man who was willing to consider his wife as a person, not as an obstacle to a goal. Something that helps me with this step is to ask the question, what is the other person likely feeling or thinking? I think most people really do their best in most situations, and sometimes their best is terrible. Sometimes we don't like their best, but recognizing that in any given situation, based on someone's emotional temperature, their skill set, their understanding, and a variety of other factors, they are doing their best, can often help shift our perspective from irritation to compassion. Imagine how the businessman in the example at the beginning of the podcast might have been able to shift his perspective and story if he had stopped thinking about himself and placing his own needs first and considered the needs of his wife to be equally as important as his own. The third way to remove the distorted filter that we sometimes see our spouse through is to act in integrity. What I mean by act in integrity is to respond to those first promptings we feel to do good towards our spouse. I love the example John Gottman, a psychologist and marriage researcher, shares in one of his books about having a cozy evening where he was snuggled up and enjoying a mystery. He was at an exciting part when he got up to go to the bathroom. As he did, he saw his wife brushing her hair and looking sad. He had this inward moment of quandary. He could easily have pretended that he didn't see her, go to the bathroom, and quickly get back in bed to finish his book. She'd be fine. He could always ask her later. In fact, maybe it would even be more productive later anyway. But he knew his wife would appreciate the comfort and support now. So he decided to go in. He sat down. He picked up the brush and began brushing her hair. He asked her how she was, and she shared some things that were going on. What started out as a simple little prompting to be kind ended up as a sweet connecting moment. I love this story because it shows so clearly how our minds and emotions pull us in more than one direction. Choosing to act in alignment with our core values, especially in our relationship with our spouse, allows us to feel more connected and eliminate unnecessary blame and distortion. Imagine if the businessman had simply gotten up when he felt the urge the first time. He might have saved himself all the guilt, the resentment, and the justification that evening. And more importantly, all the disconnection and frustration caused by the interactions that happened afterwards as he viewed his wife through this distorted filter, thinking she was lazy, selfish, and thoughtless. I love the question, who do I want to be in this situation? In summary, 
One of the biggest sources of conflict in marriage is that we see our spouse through a distorted lens. When we betray ourselves or act out of alignment with the person we want to be, we have to justify ourselves in order to feel at peace. This means we have to justify why we didn't need to do the thing that we thought we should. This process usually includes blame and shame, which distorts our vision of ourselves and of our spouse. Through our story of justification, we see our spouse not as they are, but as we are. We talked about three steps to removing the distorted filter that we see our spouse through. Number one, recognize that you may have a distorted filter that you see your spouse through. Number two, shift the way that you see your spouse. Instead of thinking of them as an object or an obstacle, think of them as a person and ask yourself what they might be thinking or feeling. And number three, act in integrity. Respond to those first inklings or desires to be kind and do good toward your spouse. Before we close, we're going to move to our expat exit strategy. For those of you who are new here, the expat exit strategy is an opportunity to apply the tools from the episode to your life. In this case, it's a chance to exit or escape distorted vision of your spouse and to see them more clearly. As we see them more clearly, we increase our connection to them. So think of an incident with your spouse when they really irritated you. Now get out a piece of paper and write down why you were so irritated in the situation. I want you to write down all your judgments of your spouse and get really petty with it. Now, once you've done that, ask yourself, is it possible that I could be wrong about this? If my spouse was here, how might they explain what they did and why they did it? As you consider your spouse as a person with complex feelings and motivations and thoughts rather than as an irritation, ask yourself if you could go back and do this over, who do you want to be in this situation? Write down how you'd like to feel toward your spouse and how you would act. I love this last question especially, because even if you can't get to a cleaner's place about how your spouse might be feeling and find compassion, we can usually access our better angels when we ask ourselves, who do I want to be? I love this exercise because it can really help you remove the distortion in the way you see your spouse and love grows in truth. If you'd like more help shifting the way you see your spouse or in navigating a difficult marriage, sign up for a free 30 minute mini coaching session on my website, theexpatmom.com. Marriage is one of my very favorite topics to coach on. I have seen so many clients find more peace and connection as they've been able to clean up the way they see their spouse and themselves. I don't promise that we can fix everything in 30 minutes, but we can certainly find some blind spots that can allow you to feel more love in your marriage. I look forward to meeting you. I'll talk to you next week. If you like what you're learning on this podcast, please share this episode with a friend. I wish that I had had these tools a lot earlier in my life, and I would love to pass them along to more people who can benefit. I also appreciate when you leave reviews for the podcast. I read each one, and reading them helps me get to know my listeners better. It helps me understand what you find useful, and it helps the podcast grow. You can find more free resources to improve your relationships and your emotional health on my website at theexpatmom.com and on my Instagram page at theexpatmomcoach.